Sunday, January 14th, a new day begins on 24. And once it starts, there's no stopping it. We've proven we can strike at you anytime, anywhere. All new episodes. Put down your weapon! Every week. All teams, we're moving in. Non-stop. Tell me the truth! All season long. This is going to get much worse. 24, the two-night premiere event begins Sunday, January 14th on Fox. Hello again, everyone. This is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi. No, you didn't accidentally tune into the 24 podcast, but I just had to play that because the new season of 24 starts tonight, and I'm psyched. It's uh, pretty much my favorite non-sci-fi show on television. Looks really good, so I'm excited. But this will be... uh, the podcast uh, 97 we're at, getting close to 100, and it is January the 14th, Sunday, uh, 2007. Almost said 2006, but I didn't. I uh, got a really uh, full-packed show for you, including a Voyager episode review and some nice listener audio. Uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of things to talk about, uh, getting kind of prepped for show 100, and we'll talk about that in a second. So, uh But before then, I've got a special theme song I'm going to play. This is what was sent to me by uh, Rick and Nathan out there, the Moyers, uh, put this together for me, and I think it's pretty darn cool. So I'm going to play this uh, for you now, and then I'll be back with the show. Rico. Rico. Drexin Sci-Fi. Drexin Sci-Fi. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Rico. Re-re-re-Rico. Rico. Re-re-re-Rico. Proceed. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. Working. Working. Unable to comply. Weekly dose of sci-fi and Star Trek information. Engage. I think we're in a lot of trouble. That's a great help, Mr. Checkout Bones. Well, I think Mr. Checkout's right. We are in a lot of trouble. Spock, and if you say we're in a lot of trouble, we are. I know this is like the back of my hand. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Rick and Nathan. I really appreciate that. Uh, I put a lot of work into it, I can tell, and really cool. I love how you blended all the effects and the music and my goofy Rico voice. Uh, it's uh, It was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, you guys. I, I really appreciate that uh, effort. Thanks for sending it. Uh, we got a really um, full episode this week for everyone uh, on Trex in Sci-Fi. Again, uh, welcome anyone who might be new to the show. Uh, I always appreciate that and try to mention that as much as I can. And for the longtime uh, listeners, also welcome back to the show. This is uh, number 97, getting very close to 100. Got a few announcements along those lines. First, and I think I mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again. I'm kind of doing a call out for everyone who listens to the show, or anyone who, uh, of course, would feel like it, 
please send me an audio comment. Uh, I'm collecting these up. This is going to be sort of a little special part of Show 100, which is going to have a lot of different little segments in it. But what I'm looking for from everyone is uh, just a short little audio segment, maybe a minute, uh, hopefully not too much longer than a minute and a half or so, about what uh, Star Trek means to you and, and you know, kind of what it's done for you over the years, how it's influenced you. Maybe it's just something... Uh, some fun entertainment you sit down and watch, or, or maybe it's had a bigger impact on your life, perhaps uh, one way or the other. I know some people who have even met their husbands and wives at Star Trek conventions, had Star Trek weddings. I didn't do that, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, my wife would have gone for that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, send those audio comments in to me. The target right now is Show 100 is going to go out on January 28th. I'm actually, though, going to record it on the 27th, Saturday, January 27th. So you need to get those audio comments into me within the next, well, less than two weeks away now. Uh, the uh, way to do that is either record an audio file, send it in uh, to the treksf at gmail.com uh, email address, or you can always call the voicemail line 206-88-TREX. Get those comments in, everyone. I'd like to hear from as many people as possible. I know Star Trek's been a big influence on a lot of people and probably a lot of those that listen to this uh, podcast. So send those in, and I will put them in show 100. Okay, on the news uh, news front, just a couple things I want to mention because I've got a lot to cover, and we're going to do a, a Voyager episode, a full Voyager episode this week. So that's going to take some uh, time to get through. Uh, going to do the whole full episode commentary. That'll be coming up here shortly. But uh, a couple of announcements, Star Trek-wise. Uh, the first is about the movie. There's been a lot more talk in the last week or so on the Internet uh, about the next Star Trek movie uh, being called Star Trek Eleven, at least right now, the 11th film. Uh, the the rumors going around, a lot of this has to do with William Shatner uh, talking, is that uh, Shatner and Nimoy are uh, probably going to have some cameos in the next film. Uh, he's talking a lot to J.J. Abrams, it sounds like. It's looking more and more likely that Star Trek Eleven is going to be based on a uh, young Kirk and Spock uh, Starfleet Academy type story. The other uh, thing that I saw on the net this week was that uh, they're looking uh, to put... Uh, some uh, of the earlier Star Trek characters into the film, like Captain Pike of the Enterprise and Scotty should be in there. Uh, of course, these all will be played, the younger roles, uh, with, by new actors. So we'll have to see how that works out. But, you know, I was thinking about it this morning before I started to record as I was eating my little waffles and uh, talk, or kind of putting my thoughts together for doing the recording for the podcast. Uh, you know, this could be a very cool thing if it's done well. You know, just think about seeing uh, sort of the original series era, uh, but in the early days, you'll you'll see a lot of things. Uh, you know, maybe in Starfleet, a lot of the original designs for the ships and the props and the costumes. Uh, I'm kind of really getting more pumped at the more this gets talked about. You know, I know that there's a lot of uh, risk involved with sort of recasting young characters of the classic crew. Uh, there's there's a tons of you know there's a ton of ways that this could go badly. You know, and it would be a much easier thing to do probably to just do a completely new story, uh, even with no, uh, you know, of the any of the series or actors or anything like that. But I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how it works out. But I'm hopeful, and J.J. Abrams is is definitely a talented guy. So uh, we'll see how this all uh, comes together. 
Okay, uh, I did want to mention something about the website. I've been uh, tweaking around with the forums and the website just a tiny bit, mostly the forums. And I want to uh, put a thanks out to everyone on the forums for kind of bearing with me on that. I had to make some changes. Uh, but they're looking uh, pretty good right now. I've uh, added some things to it, a shout box where you can put little comments and just enter them in there. And, and it's a lot of fun. So if anyone is interested in the podcast or the forums, check it out at thetrexinsci-fi.com or treksf.com. Both those URLs will get you to the website. Check it out. The forums, uh, we've got a lot of new members, a lot of guys from Great Britain and the U.K., uh, some people from other areas. Uh, it's uh, a lot of fun, great community, great bunch of people, and I urge everyone to check out the forums when you get a chance. Okay, we've got a, uh, a listener call here that I wanted to play uh, first because this leads into an idea that I actually had. It's, it's pretty... Uh, coincidental in a way and it's a nice segue to this idea that i've got that i'll talk about after the call but listen to this call uh it's a voicemail over um, the uh, 206 number and this is from brendan so listen to his voicemail incoming transmission captain hi rico this is uh brendan calling from maryland and uh there were there were just a couple things that i uh, wanted to uh calling about for a while now, and your last podcast inspired me to finally do that. Um, first off, I know you talked uh, about um, the episode Spock's Brain in your uh, little summary about Season 3 that you gave, and, uh, you know, one thing that you haven't really uh, touched on at all, but I would be really interested in hearing, is some discussion of uh, the more infamous episodes in Trek history. Um, you know, just like fans have a lot of fun discussing what are the, the very best episodes in Star Trek, uh, I think it's legitimate to uh, give some time and discussion to what could be among some of the worst episodes. Um, now, of course, you know, you want the show to stay positive, but... Uh, I think I think there could be some room for you to talk about some of the uh, low points um, every now and then, because um, a lot of us, you know, often hear some of these episodes thrown around as oh, this is this is one of the worst episodes ever, or uh, you know, things like that. But we might not have seen the episodes or know why exactly this is said. Um, so, and and another thing is, I think uh, if you're a sci-fi fan. Um, you know, you you get a little used to being entertained by um, somewhat cheesy entertainment uh, because it's cheesy. So, um, you know, for example, my friends and I have had some fun recently watching, uh, for example, uh, a midget ride Captain Kirk in one original series episode, um, or... Uh, Let's see, uh, the exploding body scene in Conspiracy in TNG. So just some of the uh, campier, more ridiculous episodes can actually be a lot of fun to watch and talk about. So if every once in a while you'd like to discuss one of those episodes, uh, I think that could be fun. And not to go on too long, but um, also, one thing I'd just like to hear you touch on at some point, maybe when you do your um, comic book episode is uh, something that sounds really bizarre to me. The um, X-Men Star Trek crossover comic that was done in the mid-90s. Uh, it, 
I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that that actually was created. Uh, it just sounds so strange. So if you have any um, thoughts on that, or if anyone else does, I'd love to hear them. Um, and other than that, just uh, keep up the good work. Um, a long time ago I mentioned that I'd like to hear possibly some character um, summary discussions uh, where you just go over a character in Star Trek in an episode. Uh, I know you've mentioned that one since then. Um, so if you ever get to that, that would be great. If not, I'm still enjoying all the other shows you put out. So, um, yeah, just keep up the good work, and I will continue to listen every week. And uh, go Gonzaga, beat St. John's, and go Terps. Hey, Brendan, thanks uh, so much for that uh, voicemail. I really appreciate it, and it's it's really weird and co- maybe coincidental, but and this morning again, I was uh, thinking about what to talk about on the show, and this I kind of had this idea, and this was even before I listened to your voicemail. But uh, what I'm planning on doing, and I completely agree with your comments about looking at some of the uh, cheesier and they're popular in a way, not the obviously the best episodes or or like the ones that really make Star Trek shine. But they're popular because they're kind of so bad. And Spock's brain uh, was the is probably the classic pinnacle example of that. And my, what my plan is to do with that, and this is uh, kind of a little bit of a call out. Uh, but what I'm going to do, what I, the idea I had along those lines would be to have the episode playing and sort of do a mystery science theater uh, three thousand. Uh, take on it basically have the episode playing like i do a full episode commentary when i do those shows and and make basically uh my attempts at jokes and humor and talk about the episode a little bit while the episode is playing uh the the slight twist that i want to do with this that i'm going to try to do is do it with some other guys over skype basically we would be playing the episode all kind of simultaneously at the same time I would be recording it on my equipment, and everyone's comments would sort of be chiming in. So it, it, a little bit of a technical challenge, but I think I can pull it together. I'm, gonna, I'm shooting to do that episode right after, sometime right after episode 100, maybe 101 or 102, something like that. So keep that in mind, and uh, I really gr- appreciate your call. As far as the X-Men um, Star Trek comic crossover, yeah, I did get that. I read it. I'm trying to recall right now how they hooked them up or how they actually brought the two universes together. I, I imagine, I think it had something to do with time travel. The Enterprise came back in time uh, and then hooked up with the X-Men. But uh, I'd have to pull it out of my comic book boxes and, and read it again. But I am still planning on doing a comic show. So I will uh, try to uh, mention that when I do that. And as far as the character profiles, yeah, it's still on my list. Haven't had a chance to get to it yet, but I definitely plan on doing like a a Kirk show, a Spock show, uh, a Picard show, blah blah blah. All those, all the good, great characters, and talk about them and give you some of their basic history and talk about some of the highlights of their careers, things like that. So it's definitely all in the works. So Brendan, thanks for that great call. Next up, we're going to get right into the Star Trek Voyager episode from the first season, Faces, coming up. Oh, but first we have uh, one comment. I got a couple of comments about the episode from uh, listeners. This one is uh, the first one I'm going to play is from Kenny. Uh, Kenny, our longtime uh, friend of the show from California, has got some comments about the episode Faces. And I've also got another one from uh, Rick and Nathan, uh, who did that great uh, theme for the show. I'm going to play theirs after I go through the episode. But here's Kenny first, and then I will be coming back right after that with uh, starting the episode Faces from Voyager. 
Hey Rico, this is Kenny from California, and I'm a huge Voyager fan. This episode's interesting because it takes a character who's been internally battling herself with her Klingon and human side and splits her in half so she can physically talk to herself, um, which I always thought was really interesting. I thought Roxanne Dawson did an awesome job portraying both sides of her character. It was also cool to see her in full Klingon makeup and then completely out of makeup as a human. In this episode, we also get to see the return of the Vidian, which I always thought was a really cool race. Part of you understands why the Vidian have to do what they have to do to survive as a race, but the other part of you is shocked at the length at which they will go to survive. This episode makes you question your morals. Would you be willing to sacrifice one species to save your own? This is one of many things I love about Star Trek are the underlying stories that really make you think. Not too many current TV shows do that these days. Thanks, Rico. Well, thanks for that, Kenny. And here we go with the episode Faces. This episode is one of the later ones in the first, first season of Voyager. Deactivate the Genitron. Shut down the biomatrix. Belana? Belana Torres. Wake up. I decided this week that it had been a while since I'd covered Star Trek Voyager. I just have done only the pilot episode, and so I'm going to uh, do a full uh, commentary on this uh, first season, one of the, I think, the better first season episodes of Star Trek Voyager. I've always really liked the uh, the music, uh, the theme song for Voyager. Uh, the music's by Jerry Goldsmith, uh, who, who, of course, did the uh, classic theme from Star Trek The Motion Picture that was later used in The Next Generation. You know, why is it the phone rings when I record these episodes? Again, I apologize for that. At least we haven't really gotten into it yet. I wish someone would answer it, though. Uh, this episode is, uh, excuse me, I really apologize for the phone thing. I'm not answering. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, my uh, family knows I record these at this time, and it's like, okay, my wife is home, uh, Lynn's home, so uh, my son. It's like, come on, guys. All right, here we get into the episode. This episode was a story by Jonathan Glasner and Adam Grossman, a teleplay by Captain's Kenneth Biller. We have completed our survey of the Avery system and are returning to retrieve Lieutenants Paris, Taurus, and Durst. By now, they should have concluded their inspection of the Magnesite formations on the third planet. Here we are, Mr. Tuvok. One bowl of authentic Vulcan foaming soup. As I have told you, Mr. Neelix, Neelix always this is so an unnecessary great. indulgence. 
I am quite content to eat whatever the rest of the crew is eating. Nonsense. Everyone aboard this ship deserves a little taste of home every now and then. Very well, then. I loved always how thank he you. called him Mr. Vulcan. Don't, don't thank me. I'm having a marvelous time experimenting with the native dishes of the entire crew. So far, I've learned to make corn salad for Mr. Chicote and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for Mr. Paris. He calls it comfort food. Isn't that charming? What are you waiting for? It's no good cold. Well? <clears throat> it is rather piquant. It is zesty, isn't it? I tried following the recipe in the computer's databank, but it seemed so bland. So I took the liberty of spicing it up a bit. Call it plomic soup a la Neelix. I must point out that if you take the liberty of changing a time-honored recipe, you are hardly presenting a taste of home. Senior officers, please report to the bridge. But your soup. Please, enjoy it. I always loved uh, Tim Russ's uh, portrayal of Tuvok. Uh, really good. Um, and, Ooh, no and, place and the first like time home. you really ever saw a, uh, a full Vulcan uh, on a Star Trek series. Coordinates, Captain, and they failed to respond to our hails. Have you tried locking onto their comm signals? We scanned the entire surface. No sign of them. They must still be underground. But I can't locate them there either. Then, as we suspected, the dense magnesite formations in the planet's crust are blocking our sensors. Take a look at this. This is the cave system nearest the beam in coordinates, as it appeared in our initial geological scan. And this is the same system now. This tunnel here is shifted to the west by almost 75 I'm not sure if I mentioned, and somebody clued me in this on the forums, but uh, the Geeks On podcast did a, uh, a cool interview with uh, the guy who plays Kim, Ensign Kim, and why is his uh, name escaping me, Garrett Wong, yeah, uh, a few episodes ago, and it's a really good interview, so check it out, Geeks On podcast uh, interview with Garrett on there. Breadcrumbs. Ensign? I'm sorry, Captain. What I mean to say is, I think I can modify some subspace transponders, which could be deployed along the commander's path, kind of like... Breadcrumbs. Got it. If they're placed at regular intervals... There's the classic uh, Star Trek, uh, the recent Star Trek series, Technobabble. You know, every week they'd have a problem, and, and they you know, do this circuit with this, and, and pull a conduit over there, and change the sensor array to do this, and problem solved. Yeah, it's, it's Star Trek. What do you want, you know? Well, now we're into this sort of cave complex where uh, Balana is there, but she's a lot different than the normal Balana that we are used to. I apologize for the restraints, but your presence here is very important to us. Do you understand? Who are you? I am Sulan, chief surgeon of the Vidian Sodality. I demand to know... What is happening here? You know, I, I I'm not positive. I, I tried to find out. Altered my face. I think I that's still uh, like Balana's voice, or, or sorry, Roxanne uh, Dawson's voice. But uh, I think they've altered it just a tiny bit to make her sound more full Klingon. You can't possibly believe I'm going to cooperate with you. Perhaps I was in error to leave your consciousness and memory intact. 
Durst. Paris. What have you done with them? What is your exact age, Klingon? If you want me to answer your question, you will have to answer one of mine first. Very well. What exactly have you done to me? I have reconstituted your genome. You are now purely Klingon. That's not possible. I assure you it is. I have developed a procedure to stimulate cell division. A kind of enhanced mitosis. Your Klingon genetic material was extracted. It was then converted from matter to energy by our genetron. Finally, you were rematerialized as the purified Klingon specimen that you are now. Why? Why have you done this? For generations, my people have been searching the quadrant for a species immune to our disease in the hope that it would lead us to a cure. And you think Klingons are immune to this phage? I believe your genetic structure has phage-resistant nucleotide sequences, yes. Well, yeah, Klingons are but pretty tough, so if anyone uh, in the Delta Quadrant, besides maybe uh, Mr. Vulcan, uh, could resist this yet. phage that the Vidians have, it, it would probably be them. I will never help you. You are very strong. Yeah, Roxanne does a great job in this, in the in the dual role. Here, she's just, she's just full Klingon, and... And then later on, you get to see her, of course, as a human completely. I have infected you. I don't know if you caught that, but uh, he's infected her with the phage to see how she responds to it. This episode, of course, will, you know, kind of is a harkens back to the episode The Enemy Within from the original series, where Kirk, of course, if you remember, was split into the, the evil and the good Kirk. You know, they basically looked alike, but the personalities were split. They're the ones with the guns, remember? Here you have Robert Duncan McNeil as Paris and an, another uh, Voyager crew person being uh, moved to a uh, holding area on this little uh, colony uh, underground. We've got to find a way out of this place. Agreed. But I don't want to do anything until we find out what they've done with Valana. In the meantime, we have to keep track of the guards' movements. How long are their shifts? When do they eat? When do they sleep? A couple of years ago, I met uh, Robert Duncan McNeil at a uh, local comic con. I uh, got an autograph. Uh, real nice guy. Real... Uh, Real personable, does a lot of directing now in uh, television and some uh, small movies so far. Uh, I think he's got a really good career ahead of himself. Uh, he's got a really good eye, I think, in the stuff I've seen him do. How's that? Nobody ever escapes from this place. Those Vidian leeches can yank the beating heart out of you in a heartbeat. Heart out of you in a heartbeat. There's another prisoner there. He's a, a Talaxian-like Neelix in the, in the cell. Kind of a goofy little guy. Six years. Then tell me something. I thought those Vidians were in the business of harvesting organs. How come we're all still in one piece? The disease makes them weak. They need somebody to dig their tunnels. That's us. Best way to keep alive around here is to stay strong. 
Thanks for the advice. Oh, don't worry. They're always in need of replacement body parts. They'll get around to gutting you eventually. But there were 23 of us for my ship. I'm the only one left. Listen, when they grabbed us, there was a woman with us. Bolana Torres. Any idea what might have happened to her? If she's not here, she's been taken to organ processing. Now, of course, this is uh, much earlier in Voyager. Eventually, you know, uh, Paris and Milana uh, start to date and, and become a couple and eventually get married on Voyager, which I thought was a nice uh, thing to, to do. They've never really had done that in a uh, Star Trek series before, had two people. Well, that's not really true. Let me rephrase that. In, in um, They did it in DS9 with uh, Dax and Worf, uh, but that didn't work out, of course. Eventually, that things happen the there. You know Commander. that series. You know what happened. Well, now the the crew is there searching for them. Harry's down on the planet, along with uh, Chicote, uh, who um, Chicote. Uh, According to my tricorder readings, they definitely came this way. The question is, where did they go from here? Oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, Robert Beltran. Uh, I've seen him uh, also at a convention. Really good guy, a lot of fun. Uh, does a lot of good impressions. Actually, a lot of the uh, actors on Voyager were good at doing impressions of other actors. He does a really good uh, Marlon Brando. What is it? I detect traces of at least five humanoid life forms. Five. There were only three in the away team. Evidently, they did not enter this cavern alone. Now we're back with uh, Milana, looking uh, not too well, probably due to the phage that he gave her. She's kind of in pain, sweating. Uh, these uh, Vidian uh, guys are really ugly looking. They look like burn victims, the makeup and everything. It's, it's, it's pretty gross. Nothing. Remarkable. One of the symptoms of the early stages of the phage is excruciating joint pain. I find it extraordinary that you can endure it. Some who are infected have been known to die from the agony itself. Well, Klingons it's are a little to tougher take more uh, than, than an infection that. to kill me. It appears you are correct. Your body is successfully fighting off the phage. I am overjoyed. How delightful for you. Soon we will begin a series of procedures, replicating your genetic code and attempting various methods of integrating your DNA with our own. In time, we'll be successful and eliminate the phage forever. You know, uh, one of the things I was thinking that this episode kind of brings up is the idea of kind of genetic uh, engineering, genetic manipulation. Star Trek has, has done that a lot over the years. So I'll tell you that Klingons find honor as warriors on the battlefield, not as guinea pigs in a laboratory. Earlier, you accused me of mutilating you. You know, what if, uh, now you, sound you know, the, the whole idea of being able to manipulate someone's uh, genetics to change you them, uh, you know, how far would you go with that? You'll get uh, no gratitude from me. 
Perhaps you'll feel a lot of interesting things to uh, think about. Uh. But I don't blame you for your obstinance. I would be proud too with a form as handsome as yours. I believe Klingons are the most impressive species I have ever seen. Now, they really did a lot with Klingons in all the uh, Star Trek series that, that followed uh, Next Generation with Worf, of course, and in DS9, Martok, and and then Torres in Voyager. Uh, really good, really developed the, the, the characters, the race real well. You got to see the Klingon homeworld, a lot with Worf. Uh, really uh, made them a lot more deep and interesting than they ever were able to do in the original uh, Star Trek series. Well, now we're getting to see the human, Balana. Balana? Yeah, it's me. Balana, what have they done to you? You get to see Roxanne uh, without Klingon makeup. Uh, really uh, attractive uh, actress. Uh, you know, maybe maybe this is where Paris kind of got first and interested in her when uh, he saw her as a fully I, human. I guess I just blacked out. Yeah, they stunned all of us. The next thing I knew, they were waking me up in some kind of laboratory. I was so groggy I couldn't see. I asked them what they had done to me, and then one of them said... That they had completely extracted my Klingon DNA. It doesn't seem possible. But you look human. I feel so weak. Stick to my stomach. Considering what they've done to you, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so strange. What? When I was a child, I did everything I could to hide my forehead. Hats, scarves, you name it. <laughs> when I was a kid, I wore a cap to cover the haircuts my father used to make me get. First day of every summer. <laughs> I grew up in a colony on Keswick 4. My mother and I were the only Klingons there, and that was a time when relations between the homeworld and the Federation weren't too cordial. Nobody ever said anything, but we were different, and I didn't like that feeling. Then my father left. When I was five years old. One day he was there and the next he wasn't. I cried myself to sleep every night. For months. But of course I never told anybody. And then I finally decided that he left because I looked like a Klingon. And so I tried to look human. Looks like you finally got what you wanted. 
So there, there's still, uh, even in this uh, day and age in Starfleet, still prejudiced her father. Human uh, still couldn't really uh, bear to look at his child, even. That's kind of sad when you think about it. Strange. What is? According to our last geological scan, this cave should continue straight ahead for another eight kilometers. This is solid granite, more than 50 you know, meters. One of the issues These here in the Star Trek episode, and it's done a few times in Star Trek, is, is kind of what makes you what you are. There has been any you know, the, the good and the bad that's in every one. The things you like, you don't field. like, you know, maybe you, you think you're too tall, too short, too fat, too no, thin. Um, but it's, it's what you are, captain. you know, if you could change that, would you really do it? Would you really change it if you could? Captain, the energy configuration of the force field matrix is virtually identical to those used by the Vidians. Mr. Ayala, scan for any alien vessels in the sector. Commander, we know from past experience that our phasers can disrupt that force field. I want to find out what's in there. Hi, Captain. But I don't want you taking any unnecessary risks. We'll be standing by to implement an emergency beam out. Acknowledged. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's working, interesting thing to think about. Uh, you know, some things, of course, you would change. You know, people who have real physical disabilities or, or that. But, you know, little things, just, uh, I, I, I just, I think especially as you get a little bit older, uh, not that I'm an old guy or anything, but, you know, it's, uh, I think you become a lot more comfortable with, uh, comfortable with your skin, let's just say, as a sort of a way to say it. Alana? You know, you get a lot more used to the way you are, and you kind of accept it, and you, and you kind of get, you uh, get in a way to like it, uh, and I think if somebody would change you... Strong. Like's it's been done to Balana here, you would be, be pretty upset by like that. Uh, even though, like she said, she'd always wished to be like human and uh, always tried to hide her her Klingon half. Sorry. I wish they were... I've been thinking about what you've said. It's because of you that I am Klingon, and I do like this feeling in a strange way. I suppose. I am grateful. Did you know that Klingon females are renowned in the Alpha Quadrant not only for their physical prowess, but for their voracious sexual appetites as well? Why not let your creation out of her harness? Study her. In action. I wish it were possible, Balana. But I'm afraid. I can't risk releasing you. And I don't want yet. all the furniture to get broken when you come at me. <laughs> but uh, he's uh, now he's kind of brushing her hand, her hair, and her face. And forgive me. For what? Please, don't condescend. I may have a grotesque appearance. Yeah, I'd say so. But I assure you my instincts are finely honed. And I do have feelings. Oh, 
hard as it may be for you to imagine, Bologna. My people were once handsome and vigorous like yours. And with your help, we will be again. Perhaps when that time comes, I will not disgust you quite so much as I do now. There are also uh, a lot of parallels with Bolana here to uh, Spock, of course, you know, being half human, half Vulcan. Spock always trying to hide his his human half and Bolana trying to hide her her Klingon the part. The, uh, the parts, both of them, that they thought were, were kind of less than the other. I could try to get my hands on that console over there. Or maybe they'll skip the preliminaries and take you straight to organ processing. You, come with me. What for? You asked to contact your ship. The prefect wishes to discuss your request. I'm the senior officer here. If your superiors want to talk with one of us, it should be me. He's not going anywhere without me. Tom, don't. They'll kill you. Stop! It's okay, Tom. They're the ones with the guns, remember? I always like Tom Paris, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil on the show. One of my, one of my favorites of the Voyager crew, uh, probably the one that was in a way closest to the way I would be. I think in Starfleet, just a little bit rebellious, uh, but also would get the job done. Now that the Vidians know we're here, we have to be prepared for the possibility that they'll call in reinforcements. There's uh, so Catherine Hepburn, the captain of uh, Voyager. Oh, did I say Catherine Hepburn? I mean, Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> Her voice is just, uh, sometimes it's a little way too much Catherine Hepburn. Captain, take a look at this. Yes, Mr. Cam, what would you like? scan the entire planet for the force field signature, and it looks like the field surrounds an area more than 600 kilometers in circumference. Is there any way to scan inside it? Every reconfiguration I've tried has failed. If it's the same kind of force field the Vidians used the last time we ran into them, why didn't our phasers breach it? Apparently it has been adapted to repulse phaser fire. If the Vidians can move in and out of there, so can we. Start setting up simulations. I also have to say, though, I've seen uh, Kate Mulgrew at a convention, and she's a real nice woman. She's real charming. Uh, Was always very gracious to the fans when they asked questions. Uh, Real great. uh, And a good actress, definitely. I have something I want to show you. Durst. I thought perhaps this new face would make you more comfortable with me. You've killed him. Yes, Bellona. But his organs will save more than a dozen lives. Well, Bellona is free. And fully cling on. That's a little dangerous. Yeah, that go- gross guy basically took the other Starfleet guy, Durst, and did a little face transplant. Really ugly looking. Just how small are these <laughs> just, Less than one micron. But it's also yeah, like, you know, 
the Vidians were also that, that situation where, you know, what would a race, what would a race of people do to survive? Would they kill others? Would they harvest their organs? Would they go through all that? I certainly wouldn't want to do that. You know, and I think that's just 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 outrageous to, to kill others, to just allow yourself to survive. That, that's uh, certainly Starfleet would never do that. And, uh, and I think there are a lot of um, people in, in the world now that, that would never do something like that. I mean, it's... Uh, it's, it's a complete, you know, violation and, and just so ridiculous. But I guess if your if your whole race is at risk, maybe you would. I don't know. It's, it's something to think about. We will have no way of communicating with whoever transports inside it, nor will we be able to verify that the transport has been successfully completed. Moreover, what's to prevent well, whoever goes in? You're just trying to figure out how to get down there, how to get their people out. That, Captain. Thermal stimulator, please. Remarkable work, Doctor. <laughs> if you think this is remarkable, you should see me remove a bunion. I have done my best to replicate Vidian attire. I trust it will prove sufficiently convincing. It's a fine piece of work, Mr. Tuvok. Next time I need a tailor, I'll know just where to look. Well, they've turned Chakotay, basically made him look like a Vidian, made him all ugly and burn victim like so uh, in there now they've got uh, the human Milana in, in Paris uh, down in this mine trying to lift ore and whatever they use for that you know keep the fires burning always seems funny to me in Star Trek when you've got the technology that they do and then some planet will still be like having people dig out rocks, you know, by hand. It's, it's, does anybody think that's just a little weird, you know, with the kind of technology they've got? Thanks. Couldn't you just sort of beam the rocks out, transport Rest them out? I, I don't know. The guard won't be back right away. I guess that would take a lot too much power, maybe. Keep it. Tom. I've been thinking. When they did this thing to me, I think it changed more than just the way I look. What do you mean? Back there, when they took Durst away, I was terrified. No one could blame you for that. You don't understand. I've been in worse situations, but I've never felt like that before. Never. I mean, my heart was pounding and my hands were shaking. I, I didn't even try to help you. Belana, I'm no doctor. But I have to believe that whatever they did to you has seriously depleted your strength. There's nothing you could have done. No, that's not it. I think that when they extracted my Klingon DNA... They turned me into some kind of a coward. Sometimes fear can be a good thing. Keeps you from taking unnecessary chances. Courage doesn't mean that you don't have fear. It means that you've learned to overcome it. And I know you can find the courage to hold on until we can find a way out of this place. What's going on here? She's ill. She needed a rest. If she's too weak, I'll take her back to the barracks. That's okay, Tom. 
Maybe from there I can try to make contact with the ship. So again, there's a, has been initialized, Captain. a little bit of a Good. play on Are you, ready, you know, her Klingon DNA part that, you know, it kind of gives her strength, Captain, it gives her courage. An opening forming in the, force field. Uh, the Klingons are Initiating a very aggressive race, and in that part of her she's gotten used to, and it's missing now. Mark, so, again, the, the sum of the parts uh, make the whole greater. Well, Chakotay's on his way in his little Vidian get-up well, and make-up. Now we wait. Make a sound and I'll break your neck. This is the Klingon uh, Balana, along with that other Talaxian uh, prisoner. Have you seen him? He was here, but they sent him to another tunnel. Which one? Back that way. There was another human with them, but they took her back to the barracks. A human female? Back, uh, back in the barracks now. Balana's, uh, the human Balana's resting. I need your help here. The the, the uh, Talaxian guy had slipped them a uh, slipped Balana, the human Balana, uh, sort of a little communications device. I think it was. So I think she's going to uh, try to use it to access uh, their systems here and contact Voyager. Remember, uh, Milana's a pretty good engineer, so uh, if anyone can uh, access their system, she'll be able to do it. What are you doing? <gasps> Come with us. <gasps> Where are you taking me? A shower and a hot meal. No, please. <gasps> Did that guy say a shower and a hot meal? Uh, now the Klingon Milana shows up. Didn't have too much trouble with those two guys. And now they meet face to face, finally, the human and the Klingon Balana. human one just fainted uh, and the Klingons carrying her out of the uh, the prison, the cell area. Do a great job with these uh, modern shows and uh, you know, having multiple characters on screen at the same time. Uh, the wonderful thing about uh, uh, Kling, or, uh, excuse me, the wonderful thing about uh, computers uh, usage uh, within television, movies, and things like that is it can do these amazing things like have multiples of the same uh, actor on screen at the same time. Wake up, Betach. Eat. What? What is it? Some rodent I killed. No, thanks. I'm sorry I can't replicate you a souffle, but you need nourishment. 
I can't carry you all the way out of here. Eat it, you know. You need some uh, food in you. Rule number one: Whenever you're taken prisoner, How are we supposed keep to your escape strength this up. Place? There are guards everywhere. We fight our way out. Maybe you haven't noticed, but I'm not exactly in fighting form. That's why you need food. Eat. So, you're what's left over when all the Klingon DNA is taken out. Apparently. If I hadn't come along, were you just going to waste away in that prison camp until they killed you for your body parts? Were you too frightened to act? I was looking for a way to escape. Looking? I'll show you the way to escape. This and this. That's the way you respond to every situation, isn't it? If it doesn't work, hit it. If it's in your way, knock it down. No wonder I got kicked out of the academy. For which you should be eternally grateful. Well, I'm not. Your temper has gotten me into trouble more times than I can... Listen to me. Listen to us. This is ridiculous. Do you realize that we're each fighting with ourselves? I'm not the one who's fighting, Petach. If I remember correctly, I'm the one who rescued you from that prison and carried you here. Trying to Don't re remember you think what you could at least Klingon. acknowledge not that? I'm an expert, that. But it's Can't not a you even thing, admit that you won't be able to get out of here without me? I don't know that I can get out of here with you. Brute force isn't going to do it. Maybe not. Maybe we'll die in the attempt. But, we'll but die that's with better honor. than sitting here like frightened Tika cats doing nothing. There you go again. Out of control. Just leaping into action before you think things through. Fine, you stay here. I'm getting out. No, wait a minute. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry. Please. Work together. You know each other. You're basically the same person. So. Just before you rescued me. I logged on to the Vidian's computer system. I only had a few seconds, but I think I found a way to access the force field that's cloaking this place. With a few minutes more, I could have deactivated it. Then Voyager could get a lock on us. Beam us back. Paris, too. It may not be as exciting as fighting our way out, but it stands a much better chance of working. If... I have your help. So, you need me. I can't get back to that computer without you. And you'll have to cover for me while I work. That's an we can't go to the prison barracks. Important point there. there are too many guards there. In the lab, where they were holding me, there was a security console. That's the last place they would expect us to be. You know, that's, um, the human Balana really needs the Klingon part of her to get this job done. If they were still a one person, she could probably do it, but she's uh, basically admitting uh, together they, they are, again, greater than, you know, apart. Tell me how to get there. 
Keep your hands off me. Whatever you say, Paris. But I thought you might like to get out of this place. Jakarta? Where are Torres and Durst? I think they've been taken to what the Vidians call organ processing. You! Why are you talking to that prisoner? I was ordered to take him to organ processing. Why wasn't I notified? I was told you had been. I've never seen you before. You're even My uglier than me. My face was just grafted. <laughs> Very well. Take him. But from now on, I expect to be notified in advance of all transfers. Yes, sir. So Chicote's down there, got in, and uh, getting Paris out. I have to bypass the security code. Now they're so back I can access uh, the accessing the grid. controls. Then I'll have lab. a better idea of what we're dealing with. That's funny. Her do skills it. as engineering seem to come from more her human side. That's what we're up against, and I think we're here. Can you shut it down? I'm working on it. What now? If they didn't know we were here before, they do now. Take it easy. I'll be done in a minute. You're not frightened anymore, are you? Maybe I just don't have time to think about it. Are you hurt? Keep working! Valana! Stop! You're not going to hurt me. You need me. You're right. But if you do not surrender, I will kill her. Drop it! Paris and Chicote popped Who in. Who are now. you? That's what I want to know. It's Chicote. I think I've just about accessed the force field. Hurry! Captain, the force field has been disrupted. Mr. Kim, can you get a lock on Commander Chakotay? Chakotay to Voyager, do you read? Loud and clear, Commander. I found them, Captain. No! No! Three humans and one Klingon to beam up. Durst tried to shoot the human Balana, but the uh, Klingon Balana jumped in the way of the blast. She's badly wounded, Captain. Beam her to sickbay! Don't. No time. You showed true courage. It makes my death an honorable one. Using tissue from your counterpart, I can replicate the Klingon DNA. Then, over the course of several days, I'll reintegrate that genetic material into your cellular structure. Wait a minute. You're not saying that you're going to change me back. That's precisely what I'm saying. Your cell's ability to synthesize proteins has been severely compromised. 
you need the Klingon genes to survive. So, she's saving my life again. I'll get started on the DNA. How are you doing? I'm not sure. It's been a pretty strange experience. I do know that right now, the way I am, I'm more at peace with myself than I've ever been before. And that's a good feeling. But? feel like me. I guess I've had someone else living inside of me for too long to feel right without her. I'd have to say that you two made quite a team down there. <laughs> I know. I came to admire a lot of things about her. Her strength. Her bravery. I guess I just have to accept the fact that I'll spend the rest of my life fighting with her. I think it might have been better if she would have had a choice to take the Klingon back into her rather than it being sort of a medical reason. She kind of admits there that it that she didn't feel right without it, but you know that it it should have been maybe more that she she accepted that part of her a little bit more perhaps. I don't know. Just a thought. Really good episode. Excellent job. Uh, one of the uh, best of the first season, I think, on Voyager. Well, I hope you like that uh, full Rico commentary for Star Trek uh, Voyager, the episode Faces, uh, from uh, near the end of season one of the series. They did a good job with it. I'm going to kind of cut through the theme a little. We're running uh, kind of long on the podcast today. What I want to do is to wrap up this look at this episode, though, is play a uh, voice call. Uh, this was an um, audio file sent to us from the Moyers, again, from Nathan and uh, his dad, Rick, where they talk about this episode faces. I'm going to play that for you right now, and then I'll be back. Hey, Rico, you asked for comments on the Voyager episode Faces. We just got done watching it. I'm Rick. And I'm Nathan. And this is The, the Father, Father and Son Review. Okay, first off, the Vidian makeup was grody. Ugh. The only part that would have been better is to have some bugs crawling on it or something. I thought it was a bit overkill. It was cool to see the Bolana character out of makeup. That's always cool. And they should have done it more with, like, Worf on DS9 and, and Next Generation. Well, I think that they actually had Bolana out of makeup one time during the seventh season of Voyager when um, the Doctor made a hollow novel. That's right. Hey, as a full Klingon, Bolana acted a lot, I thought, like Quark's Klingon wife when, she was, when he accidentally killed off her husband in DS9. 
She reminded me a lot of General Martok's wife from Deep Space Nine when Jedzia and Worf got married. Yeah, that's right. Hey, oh, now it's time for Celebrity, celebrity sightings. sightings. Hey, did you notice whose face got pasted on the Vidian? Yeah, I think it was Brian Markinson from the CSI. He was one of the lab techs. Oh, yeah, cool. Very cool. Oh, now for Pun City. In the scene where Bolana talks with her other half, I thought she was beside herself. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, talk about a split personality. Oh. Anyway, the doctor did a great job on Jacody's surgery. I mean, makeup job. And Tuvok reveals hidden talents as a tailor. Mm, yeah, cool. Hey, kudos go out to the cool special effects on the transporter scene. Yeah, I actually thought there was two Balanas there. It did, it did look real. Hell, we felt the overall moral to the entire episode was... Embrace who you are. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our personality has two different sides, and yeah. when it comes together, it's cool. Yeah. All right, well, I liked the episode. It was fun. I liked it, too. I think we're going to give it three out of four stars. I agree. I agree. I like that. All right, Rico, uh, we'll see you next time on The Father, Father and Son, Son Review. Review. Live long and prosper. Well, hey, Rick and Nathan. Uh, <laughs> you guys did a great job with that. I'd love to get some more of those Uh as I normally do, you guys are forum members. I normally announce um, on there what episodes I'm going to be covering the next week. I try to do it a, a little in advance, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, but, hey, if you guys want to send a minute or two of that kind of stuff in uh, for other episodes, I'd love to have it. Uh, we've got uh, uh, one more bit of audio from uh, another uh, f- uh, member of the forums, Jedi Jeff. Uh, this is going to be for the uh, collectible review for this week, Uh Jeff sent in a review of the new Master Replicas uh, Darth Vader Saber. This, I believe, is the Return of the Jedi version of the Darth Vader lightsaber piece that he's going to review for us from uh, Episode uh, 6, I guess that would be Return of the Jedi, the Vader Saber. They were subtly different throughout uh, the original trilogy, the the lightsaber that Darth Vader carried around. So here's uh, Jeff's review of that piece. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Hi Rico, this is Jeff. Jedi Jeff on the forums. Today I'd like to talk about a new collectible I just recently received. See Master Replica's Darth Vader lightsaber from Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. This is a limited edition model and number 174 of 1500. For quite some time I'd wanted a Darth Vader lightsaber, but it kind of started uh, collecting Master Replicas a little too late. So the uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back sabers are a bit kind of out of my price range as they're in the aftermarket. The Revenge of the Sith one was out there, but I didn't really care for that one as much as the uh, original trilogy one. Says uh, never really saw Vader use it in battle on the screen, and um, just the look and feel of it just didn't feel like Vader to me. Probably more of a transition between Anakin and Vader, but it just didn't connect with me. I saw the Return of the Jedi lightsaber and I was really impressed with the way it looked, so I decided I would uh, go with that one. The saber came in a really nice box with Master Replica and Star Wars logos on it. As well, it also had a 30th anniversary logo for Star Wars since this is the 30th anniversary year. All the pieces in the box are all well packed and lots of styrofoam to protect each piece so that would come in great shape. It came packed in with a certificate of authenticity, a plaque 
as well as a couple piece registration cards and a card to uh, join the Master Replicas uh, Collector Society. Plus they also had a pamphlet for the uh, Studio Scale Millennium Falcon. As well too, the Certificate of Authenticity had a short history on the Saber as well, which is interesting to read. The lightsaber had some similarities to the other Vader Sabres, with a lot of black parts on it. The handle grips are quite similar to the other Vader lightsabers, as well to Anakin's lightsabers in the prequels. As well, there's a black shroud for the emitter, which is on most Vader Sabres, and lots of other black pieces and details. The thing which really uh, set this one a bit different for me, which made it interesting, was all the little bolts and pieces which were on this saber. Sometimes they're referred to as greeblies. And I thought it made it a very unique look to it, and that's probably why I decided to get this lightsaber. As well, in the center of this uh, lightsaber is a black band which holds the activator, similar to the other stylings of Vader's lightsabers. At the front of this uh, lightsaber was a small rod which protruded. Again, something which uh, made this lightsaber look a little bit different from uh, some of Vader's other lightsabers. As well, there's a couple rings on each end of the saber. It comes with a great uh, display case, mirrored bottom, so it makes uh, displaying this piece very nice. I found too that this uh, piece was very well crafted and had a very good weight to it and I could realistically see this being used in battle. The history on this uh, piece is very interesting as when they were filming Return of the Jedi they didn't have the original prop from Empire Strikes Back for Vader's lightsaber. So they went and they took Luke Skywalker's uh, stunt lightsaber from Empire Strikes Back and modified it. to make this Darth Vader Return of the Jedi version. So it's got some uh, unique look to it because it's kind of based off a different lightsaber, but it's still got plenty of uh, similarities to the other Darth Vader lightsabers. I'll put some pictures up in the forum that people can link to. Thanks for letting me do this review, Rico, and back to your show. Hey, Jeff, thanks thanks so much for that excellent uh, review of the Vader Saber. You made me want to go out and get one. I've got the uh, Master Replica's Empire Strikes Back Vader Saber, and I didn't actually realize, too, what you mentioned there near the end about they took Luke's Saber from Empire, modified it for the Vader Saber for Return of the Jedi. That's uh, pretty cool information. Didn't know that. Uh, So thanks so much for doing that review, and uh, thanks for everyone who's participated, sent in audio, uh, in this week's uh, podcast. I really appreciate it, guys. It makes the show a lot more interesting, I think, a lot more fun uh, for the listeners. So thanks so much, and, and keep those kind of things coming in. I'll definitely use them. Just going to get this show wrapped up now and in the can, as they say. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I, I think it was a really good show. I really liked looking back at that Voyager episode. Thanks again for all the audio comments. Uh, we're going to try to get um, – I'm going to get a midweek show in this week, which will be number 98. Uh, podcast 99 next weekend and then the weekend after that uh, big show 100 which i'm also going to announce now is going to be uh, broadcast over my webcam as i record it so a lot of good things for that show coming up and i think everyone's gonna like it now i'm I'm excited by doing a or uh, getting excited for doing show 100 so I hope this show wasn't just a, a little longer hope that wasn't too bad for everyone being a little bit longer but i think we uh 
we had a fun time. Uh, and I'm just rambling now, so I'm going to say goodbye. Everyone, take it easy. Have a good week. Watch 24 if you like that kind of stuff. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention. Sci-Fi Channel showing uh, Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, on Monday nights now. So check that out, the Sci-Fi Channel. I think they're going to show several episodes. Did I say episodes? Excuse me. Several Star Trek Enterprise episodes every Monday night. I think about four every Monday. And I think they're going in order. So check that out on the Sci-Fi Channel if you get that. Until next time, everyone, bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved. No, actually it's 2007, copyright. Oh. <laughs>